ನಿರಂಜನಂ ನಿತ್ಯಂ ಅನಂತರೂಪಂ ಭಕ್ತಾನುಕಂಪಾಧೃತವಿಗ್ರಹಂ ವೈ ಈಶಾವತಾರಂ ಪರಮೇಶಮಿಡ್ಯಂ ತಂಗ್ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣ ಶಿರಸಾನಮ ಜನನಿ ಸಾರದಿ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಪಾದಪದ್ಮೀತೃತ್ಮಿ ಮುಹೂರ್ಮುಹು ನಮಸ್ತಿರಾಜಾಯೇಕಾನಂದಸೂರೈ ಸಚ್ಚಿದುಖಸ್ವಾಯ So today we are here to celebrate Sri Ramakrishna's 186th birthday. It was actually on the 15th of March as it was a weekday and as is our normal practice we have selected this weekend for the celebration of Sri Ramakrishna's birthday. in the morning we had our puja the homa the pushpanjali of course we will have pushpanjali again today after the class after this today's discussion and uh, the topic which we have selected today for our discussion is the spiritual unfoldment as enacted in the life of sri ramakrishna so the theme itself is significant so it is not just the spiritual unfoldment of sri ramakrishna it is actually the spiritual unfoldment as enacted because he is an avatar he is already a realized soul all he is doing is having a certain purpose he came down and just adopted a way of life which is as if he's a realized soul he's taking in him as in as he has been mentioned in the bhagavad gita by the yoga maya there are two types of maya one is the guna maya and another is the yoga maya guna maya is the delusion in which we are that as per our karma we are bound to take birth in particular circumstances but ishwar the lord comes down as per his will by resorting to another aspect of maya there is a yoga maya and when he comes down he acts just like a human being otherwise we won't have the conviction that that such a life can be adopted we will think after all he's a superhuman so he just enacts the entire life drama in such a way that we find a role model we find a role model in that personality in the divine personality so that's why it was an enactment as in the uh bhagavad gita commentary shankaracharya is mentioning the word eva is dhyayat eva lilayat eva means eva means as if so he comes down to enact so that we find a role model which motivates us to adopt that type of life and unfold the spiritual dimension of our existence in this very life so we will find that who sri ramakrishna was and how his life is connected to ours that his spiritual uh, sadhana when we think most of the people think that most probably we cannot that uh, 
adopt anything of it. It's so high, so intense. But we will try to understand the various aspects of his spiritual journey, which is very important even in our life. So we will just uh, divide his life into three phases. First, till he realizes God for the first time as the priest of Kali, the Kali temple. He has a vision of Kali. After that, this real sadhana as per the tradition, as per the, uh, at what you say, the gurus are concerned. Gurus come to his life. He follows the particular tradition and following that, he reaches the absolute where he has a series of gurus, sequence of gurus. At last, under the guidance of Totapuri, he has that Advaitic realization of the absolute. And then his spiritual journey doesn't stop. He find, we find that he had a almost unending quest to search the divine in various ways. And then that unique thing he has adopted after getting established in the Advaitic realization, that unitary realization, we find a wonderful thing that he has adopted the Islam, the Christian way of spiritual practice. And not only that, it never remained just as a make belief in his life. He has went to the realization and from the realization, from that conviction, it's not just mere belief, from that conviction, he comes out with the proposition, Jato Mot, Tatapot, as many ways, so many, as many paths, so many ways. All the paths lead to the same goal. So that's the uh, journey of Sri Ramakrishna, which we will try to just uh, today follow in a short way. It's, it's a very intense life. It's a very profound life. So as a child, we find as a child, he has a very special uh, faculty to get immersed in nature, the faculty of awe, A-W-E. We get awestruck. It's a wonderful faculty. Nowadays, we sometimes in the name of rationality, don't utilize it much. That we should always be rational. We shouldn't believe in myths, mythologies. Even to our children, we educate that way, but we forget it is a faculty which has to be nourished. If we don't nourish, it will find expression in perverted ways. This faculty of awe. What's that? In our Sanskrit, they say that human being is such, it can never, we can never think ourselves to be limited. Sa anantaya kalpate. We can never think ourselves limited. We always think we are infinite. And that's why you will find even for a small child, most probably you have never instructed that small child in any spiritual ways of living. Most probably you have not told him any of those myths, the stories, nothing. But what he's attracted to, you'll find a wonderful thing. The moment he comes back from the school, the moment he gets chance, he will throw back his school, throw his school bag and immediately on the screen, the monitor, then what? He will just start observing all sorts of comics. And all those are something superhuman. It has nothing to do with the human capabilities. We have that tremendous uh, urge to go beyond all the limitations. I cannot jump a 20 story building. The child sees those characters, the Superman, the Batman, whatever it is. And by observing that, it identifies with that. You will find the child always want to dress like them. 
It wants to adopt their way of life. It wants to identify with them. And that way always imagines, it cannot do it. It imagines that it can cross all the limitations. And that's the faculty of awe actually, which we, we also have as an adult. You know, from your job, from your work, you find it's monotonous. Sometimes you take leave and where do you go? With all your money you spend, even the government gives you a subsidy, you go to some countryside to enjoy the scenery, the range of mountains, the ocean, and what, why, why, what, why it relaxes you. There also that sense of infinity, that tiles of mountain. You find so for some time, your ego has as if dissolved, it has merged, and you find relaxed by identified with that infinite sense, sense of infinity, which finds expression in the nature. And that's the faculty is, has to be nurtured if we have to rise in love. In English, we say fall in love. Love as you always be fall. That's what Swami Vivekananda, when he was in the West, very interesting thing. Swami Vivekananda was in the West. He delivered a lecture on Vedanta. And after giving a lecture on Vedanta, someone stood up from the audience and just told Swamiji, Swamiji, you are speaking that you are the conscious principle, that you are beyond all dualities or limitations. That's what you were speaking of. But in practice, you are all idol worshippers, isn't it? Swami Vivekananda uh, was interrupted in the lecture. And so he was pacing up and down the stage, the dais, and then addressed that person. A very interesting thing. But well, sir, isn't it you are also idol worshippers? So that man was a bit uh, perplexed. Well, how come we are idol worshippers? And then what Swami Vivekananda told was something very interesting. Well, why you, you the young man of the America, you don't want you kneel down in front of a lady, young lady, and say you are the, what you say, the angel. So we see in a human being of flesh and blood, some angel. So what is happening that all faculty is acting there. You cannot stop it. But as you have never cultured it, it finds expression either in sensuousness or it can be something very dangerous. Even you will find there are some IT professionals who have somehow got involved in destructive all uh, sorts of this terrorist activities in the name of religion. What there also you will find the all faculties working. That if you adopt this way of life, this destructive way of life, after your death, you go to heaven. Somehow you will find that sense of limitlessness that I go to some extension of to certain dimension of existence, which is beyond all limitations. And that all faculty inspires me to again to go to some destructive mode of life. Why? Because in education system, we have never cared for this awe faculty, which is in us. If you don't nurture, it has, it, it will find its way in a perverted way. You will find that that was the scope which was there, which should be there. Now the child grows in the city. He finds that only that it's a jungle of concretes. And the idea the child have in that encapsulated environment is that everything is man-made, nothing beyond that. That's what it is getting. It is just staying in that city. And when you go to that bit, that's what you say, the countryside, and you can see the nature, 
if the child doesn't get that chance that all faculties never nurtured and that's the very first thing in the life of ramakrishna we find it was that all faculty was so strong that one day we find that story you all know with a basket full of puffed rice he was walking down the the narrow road which was separating the two paddy fields he was just walking down it and suddenly he saw that the sky got clouded with the thunder clouds it was totally pitch dark and from nowhere the snow white cranes came and in that contrast that wonderful contrast in that pitch dark cloud the cranes this white snow cranes are flying seeing that that all faculty was so intense in the life of ramakrishna we find for the first time he becomes gets unconscious his that total this sense of this ego is dissolved as ramakrishna used to say that what is spirituality actually this ego dissolving in that non local consciousness like a salt doll a salt doll wanted to measure the depth of the ocean the moment it went it just took a dip in the ocean it just merged who will give the news of the depth of the ocean so that's what sri ramakrishna is saying so that's the mergence of your individuality that actually gives a real happiness happiness is never in the sensual pursuits of life it only gives dukkha dukkha doesn't means suffering dukkha means dissatisfaction it never satisfies you you have it again the urge for having it is there as if you are in a hedonistic treadmill what is a hedonistic treadmill it is a hellish in a treadmill you are running you go nowhere in the same place you are running in the words of swami vivekananda ever running never reaching nor a distant glimpse of shore so that never gives us pleasure the real pleasure is even in the modern psychology they say in the flow if you can enter into a flow where your all your so called biological alarm system has fallen off because of your tremendous focus on your object of contemplation then you enter into a state of bliss which has as if no end and that gives the, that speaks of the quality of happiness for the first time we see that in the life of ramakrishna that the faculty of awe through the faculty of awe as a small child of 5 or 6 years old he is going to that samadhi that state of uh, divine absorption without contemplating on the divine just by being absorbed in the nature the second faculty which we find again in the present day it is very important that is medha the retention power the power power of the memory nowadays everything is online anything you search nothing you have to keep it in your mind everything is readily available there is there's onslaught of information so much of information is there but this medha faculty is very important it has to be grown in spiritual life why because uh you know that one sanskrit shloka that that uh this parahasta gatam dhanam that pustakasta chaya vidya parahasta gatam dhanam karya kale samutpanne na cha vidya na tad dhanam so the knowledge which is in the book or which is in the internet or the wealth which is with someone else at the moment of crisis it's not going to help you in any way so that's the problem with the present civilization you will find in the words of ramakrishna the present education system is what it's like with all your education we are like just vultures soaring high up in the sky 
but our total attention focus is somewhere in the pit where there is rotten carrion, rotten flesh. The vulture is soaring high, very high up in the sky, but its focus is on the rotten flesh somewhere in this, on the surface of the earth. With all our education we find, it in no way helps us to overhaul our personality. We remain as we are with all our, what you say that the nervous system creating a havoc, creating a wreck, with all our knowledge, we cannot control ourselves. We cannot manage ourselves. And that's why we find that to retain what you learn is very important, the medha. Whenever Sri Ramakrishna used to go to the, uh, just uh, have, uh, what do you say that, see a, uh, the theaters, the village theaters, he used to go to uh, just witness the village theaters, just word by word, he will remember the songs. That was a wonderful faculty. And he will come and enact with other friends the cowherds, the friends, the entire thing in a mango grove called Manik Raja's grove. You have all those who have read the life of Ramakrishna, you know. He will enact. He's the one who is the script writer as a young boy, and he's playing with them. And that way, it actually speaks of this, you know, the oral tradition. Ramakrishna is the one who never studied scriptures. The one who is a realized soul, the knowledge is coming out in flow from his mouth, if we find. But from where he got it, this from all the oral tradition. This, in this, this is a wonderful tradition where even beyond the books, you get the knowledge of the scriptures just by the plays, by all the dramas, theaters that goes on in the villages of the various gods and goddesses. From that, he is inculcating. And not only that, he never forgets. He's enacting them to just remember all of them. And not only remember, he's Medha is so strong that he knows when to use it. And even as a child, we find that there was some discussion going on among the scholars and we find that they couldn't come to any particular decision. And there we find this young boy, suddenly as a young boy is going and just saying something where all finds a solution and all were taken by surprise that how is it possible for such a young boy to remark some, uh, something which speaks of the wisdom. In our spiritual life, another thing is very important that is called ahangraha upasana. What we do for all of us, that sometimes we go to the shrine or to the temple, the church, and we think the one who is there in my front, whether it is Krishna, Buddha, Jesus, whoever it may be, all the holiness belongs to him. I am imperfect. I am imperfect. The one who is in front of me is perfect. And what happens that way, I go, I bow down, and I have an idea just by having faith in him, I will be liberated. But in no way that life actually helps us to internalize those values and try to overhaul my own personality. And that's the very thing, important thing which is possible through Aham Graha Upasana. I won't go to the uh, discussion. Just by an example, you will understand what is a hunger upasana. Just take a doctor. The doctor, after practicing, returns to his home. Most probably he has three, four children. Three, four children. And all the children come running. After, after just seeing their father throughout the day's work, after throughout the day's work, he is back. So all the children come running. The father, being a doctor, has opened, has kept his white coat separately has opened his shoes, has kept the stethoscope somewhere in the table. 
all the children come learning running and one will take the stethoscope and go on throughout the house is keeping it on the chest of other members feigning as if he is a doctor someone else will wear the white coat and move around as if he has become the doctor someone will wear the father's shoes and move around as if he has become the doctor no one becomes doctor just by wearing the white coat of the doctor or by having the stethoscope but the father who is the doctor is happy you know why because he knows by all these behind all these childish acts those acts are all childish but behind all those childish acts a motivation is working that one day i have to become like my father a great doctor so though all those acts are childish but behind that the motivation is working so this is the idea of ahangra upasana that's why now kumbh mela is going on in kumbh mela you will find a wonderful thing this is the biggest religious congregation in the world you can never find such a huge congregation but it is it is extremely chaotic you go to a church everyone you will find is wonderful discipline is there all are saying the same prayers all are kneeling down at the same time getting up even when the muslim does the namaz namaz to do the namaz prayers they are doing the same thing but you go to the kumbh mela millions of people are there but no two humans are doing the same thing even the husband wife most probably have different rituals and sometimes we find that nowadays even that some are of the opinion that this huge this mob has to be organized but it's again not understanding the religion at all it's the idea of ahangra upasana the same thing the way i relate to the divine may be totally different from yours the one who is having the stethoscope is having fun in a different way than the one who is wearing the white coat they are all childish apparently those all rituals may mean nothing if you just try to understand scientifically it may mean nothing it may be totally childish it may be so variant but behind all those acts one thing is acting i have to become divine more and more divine so whatever i am doing no one thinks even the one who is repeating the mantra without knowing its meaning never thinks that i have to be be as a villain i have to be something divine that's what they're thinking maybe they don't know the meaning of the mantra they're doing some rituals complicated rituals of of which even they don't know what its utility is but somehow that motivation is working through all these acts i am becoming pure i am becoming divine and i'm internalizing all the divine qualities through that and that is an idea of ahangra upasana so what you are doing is actually something very apparent behind it the real meaning is there just the way the computer programming you may be a very good good software programmer when you are programming the language i understand nothing it may appear to me very totally meaningless but why still i resort for uh, resort to get a programmer because i know the output is waiting there what he is doing that language has no meaning to me but the output which i get through it that will serve my purpose so here also we can know that all these religious traditions with all those apparent meaningless rituals and all as such it may have no meaning but you know the output it can make gadadhar ramakrishna that's why swami vivekananda when he was in the west when someone was uh, criticizing idol worship and then swami vivekananda at last told that my guru was an idol worshipper just show me a single human being 
as spiritually evolved as him. And then I will uh, uh, just criticize this idol worship. Through idol worship, he came because it's a programming. So if you take it literally, it may not mean anything. And that's the idea of Ahangra Upasana. And that we find that Sri Ramakrishna, when he has, you will find the same thing that imitating others and through that internalizing the values. There was an almshouse in Kamarpukur. All this, many monks used to stay there for a few days on their way to Puri. And Ramakrishna, as a young boy, as a Gadai, every day used to visit there. And being with the sadhus, he used to get inspired. And now and then he will come back home with totally, you know, that smeared with ash, with some marks on the forehead, and the cloth he has torn and just uh, worn the lion cloth like the sadhus. The mother will be taken by uh, this, taken bit, she will be a bit shocked seeing the her son in such a dress. But those are the things which are actually giving that internal motivation that one day I have to be like them. So just see, it is just a mere imitation, but through this, all those acts, it was, and this identification was very strong in the village on the Shivaratri night, when the play was going on, on Shiva, uh, this, this, on the life of Shiva, some play was going on because you have to be awake throughout the night. So some entertainment, if it's there, then it helps us to be awake throughout the night. So there was a play on the life of Shiva on the, the divine play of Shiva. And we find an interesting thing, what has happened? The one who was, who was supposed to act as Shiva, he, was, he, got sudden, uh, he got suddenly sick. And then they had to find someone who can act as Shiva. And they found this Gadai, Gadadhar, young Ramakrishna. They told that you won't have to say much. You have, there's not many dialogues. We will decorate you and be in the stage and a few, very few, few dialogues are there you can manage. And he agreed. And you know, when the moment he was dressed like Shiva, the moment he went to the stage, he got so identified with Shiva, he became totally motionless. First, all thought that most probably he's acting very well. But after some time they found that he's saying nothing. It's totally motionless, he has become stiff and he has actually went into a type of samadhi and the play had to be stopped because uh, we find that he couldn't be brought down to the normal sense, uh, normal awareness for two or three days. So that was a deep absorption just by uh, being dressed like Shiva, just by being uh, dressed like Shiva and he immediately he gets identified with Shiva so much that he takes into a type of tremendous spiritual absorption. So the same thing happens we find when once he was going to the Vishalakshi temple. While singing, again, he goes to that tremendous, very deep spiritual absorption. So these all speaks of that ahangraha upasana, that you're playfully as if imitating some character, but when you're so much identified with it, that, that inspiration makes you totally oblivious of the surrounding and you get totally deeply merged, being identified with that personality. And that's the only way you can internalize the values which those characters represent. So they just see this ordinary life with a so-called apparently ordinary child has these wonderful traits, which actually speaks of spirituality. Nowadays, spirituality means I will spend the day as I want. 
and <clears throat> when i cannot control my mind for some uh, some one and one hour or half an hour i will just sit for meditation that way spirituality never works it has to be something 24 by 7 there are so many faculties all those faculties has to be nurtured as sri ramakrishna used to say very nicely a flute has seven holes if you want to get a music out of it you have to use your fingers in such a way that it will be moving around all the holes then only the music will come out if you close all the holes and keep one hole open and blow the pipe only a noise will come out you will never get the music to get the music you have to you have to know the art of playing on those with your fingers on the holes in such a way that all the holes are utilized so that the music comes out so sri ramakrishna used to say that a human personality is like that flute there are a lot of faculties if you just close all of them if you don't allow to manif- just uh, manifest all those faculties and just become one sided with one faculty with my career with my education know it for certain from your life after some time you yourself will find this noise is coming out no music it becomes extremely monotonous so this is the thing there's so many faculties which sri ramakrishna is we find is manifesting this kala performing arts nowadays even in india everywhere we find this this what you say that this reality shows from the small child immediately he is exposed to the audience big audience and he is performing wonderfully performing but do you think in any way it is going to help that no as most of the cases we find the child gets so much of approbation as a small boy gets so much of uh, approbation from the society and when if he grows up a little and he finds a little indifference from others that takes him to deep depression there are many such cases because from the very childhood the kala was meant for getting approbation for getting acceptance of the society but in our old culture kala was what which liberates sa kala ya vimukta it speaks of absorption when you are singing you are so absorbed you forget everything you will find the classical singer singing throughout the night he is not aware or she is not aware of the hunger thirst anything he forgets hunger he forgets thirst what has happened the mind is so focused has entered into a flow in such a way that all the bodily needs for that a part of your mind is required a part of your mind is required to be aware of the bodily alarms your hunger your thirst your tiredness your need to sleep all those alarm systems has got deactivated because the entire mind is focused on your the object of, of absorption and that was the thing for which the kala all these performing arts were meant sri ramakrishna was a wonderful singer he used to enchant but the only thing even someone asked that how you got a beautiful voice he was never trained and he told mairi bolchi in bengali mairi bolchi means i am just take, just swearing that i am never aware when i'm singing that people are around me he gets so absorbed he developed you know, this kala this perf- this performing arts even the arts he has developed he, he was a wonderful sculptor he used to go and spend hours with the village this those who used to have uh, prepare the clay models he will spend hours and learned the art of sculpture and he used to make wonderful sculpture while making it he will be singing and that song used to be so endearing 
those who were near, they also felt attracted. Rani Rashmani actually got attracted first to Ramakrishna because of that singing while making that uh, wonderful image of some god or goddess. And he used to totally get absorbed in it, that he used to enter into a flow. And that's what is the real purpose of Kala. Just see what, why we are saying that sometimes we, when we read the life of Ramakrishna, we find as if these all characters have nothing to do with us. They all have us actually something which we can internalize, which can show us the way we are doing something which is not proper. If I have to teach the child music, I have to teach him that why music, not for approbation. It is a wonderful hobby whereby which you can have some wonderful time with yourself. You need not have to depend on something else. You need not have to be addicted on something else and become those, what do you call this? Uh, this, uh, uh, this attention deficiency syndromes. That's now it is, this is a major problem because they don't know what to do with themselves. Constantly they have to be engaged with the media or something. If these things were used for that purpose, it could be spiritually liberating. Spirituality doesn't mean just to have the vision of God. It, it means actually to transcend our limitations in all possible ways and to live a life which is extremely, uh, what you say, productive. And that's what we find in the life of Ramakrishna, the wonderful faculty of Viveka. When he, uh, his elder brother found, Ramkumar found that he is wasting his time, not studying properly. We find that he's telling that what will happen? You are, that you are, we cannot think of your education. Uh, what will you do when you grow up? And then what he's saying is very interesting that brother, what shall I do with a mere bread winning education? Chal kala badha vidya means as a Brahmin, he was supposed to do puja and while returning, they will just give him, you know, that in a bag full of rice, cereals, some cloths, that is chal kala badha vidya. So you get some remuneration. I still remember, you know, in the Calcutta University, uh, it was written the center of learning, center of learning. And because of, you know, the, there, there is no maintenance and the, because of the weather condition that ill got eroded, so ill got eroded. So what it becomes. So the, all our center of learning is actually that center of earning, nothing else. <laughs> so this, that's what Chal Kala Bidham actually means. So this is Chalkala Vidya. See, Ramakrishna is see, just as a child, he's quiet, means alert about it, aware about it. He has a wonderful power of observation. He's seeing, looking around, that what after all, with all the so-called academic education people are doing, it is not giving any fulfillment. He thinks, we all think, what's the condition, what's our life? We all go through this midlife crisis. But what all we thought is our aim, what our goal, we reach it by our early 30s or 40s. And then we don't know what to do with our life. Done, we reach a plateau. Everything has been that all their education, profession, everything has been reached. I don't know what to do with my life. So Sri Ramakrishna having that power of discrimination, that life cannot be just uh, led just the way like an, uh, the grazing animal, there's just, you know, that the grazing animal that, uh, that there was a question, very nice question asked, the maths teacher asked the question to the students that, you know, that there, uh, there's so many lambs are just walking, as, are just uh, moving on the narrow path which separates the two paddy fields, grass fields. And one of them gets down. 
So how many will be there? There are 10 lamps, one gets down. So all the students, uh, they say it's nine. One say, not a single. And he was asked that, how come? Well, I am the son of a farmer. I know, I know the way of the lamp. If one gets down, all will follow it. There cannot be a single. So that's what we all humans are. We all humans are just gaddalika prabhava. We have all got up in this wagon band, just follow the so-called role models who are just a bunch of advertisement. They sing that don't worry, be happy. And the next day we find the one who has become famous by singing, don't worry, be happy has committed suicide. <laughs> so that's what happens. So that's the thing we find Sri Ramakrishna is very observant. He knows the way of life. And he's just saying that what, what will I do with that type of education? It's not going to give me any fulfillment. And the tremendous Shraddha. So for us, when we are going to the shrine, photo, this, this, seeing the photo never creates a question in my mind, whether it's a real photo or something is there behind it. For the very first day, the Ramakrishna was in Dakshineshwar, that's the question. And he actually started seeing the divine in the, uh, the so-called the stone image. He always used to say, it is not Marinmai, it is Chinmai, full of consciousness. The tremendous faith is something which is required in spiritual life. Without the faith, you can never progress in spiritual life. Ramakrishna used to say a very interesting thing that if you have done a lot of meritorious acts in your past lives, then you become very simple. Then you believe in the world. For us, we are all intellectual fools. What happens after studying a lot, at last, we understand that without faith, there cannot be any spirituality. What actually happens, you know, suppose someone told that such and such uh, image is your ishta, is your chosen ideal. And now I'm a question, as an intellectual, I'm a question that why? I may find no meaning because there is actually again a programming there. If you with faith take it to be your chosen ideal and you can focus on it, concentrate on it, make it your chosen deity. What happens the more the focus, the more the world falls off, your mind is actually becoming one pointed. It is actually having only one module. And now it becomes very easy to get rid of that. And once you get rid of the mind immediately, that the, what you say, it takes you to that absolute realization. The mind is like a prism. The mind is like a prism where the white light is falling and breaking into the spectrum. The spectrum is this world of name and form. The white light is that consciousness and the prism is the mind. The only spiritual practice is to get rid of the mind. Spectrum falls off, immediately you realize that I am actually one with that absolute reality. It's only this mind which is projecting this as this universe. You may say it is a philosophical, you will, I will just say you will understand immediately. There's a this red flower. Is it red? No. Even science will say you, it's not red. What is happening? There is no color. All the bands of colors, so-called are just mere vibrations of light. The moment they touch your eye, their work stops there. The light never enters your brain. It stops here. What is entering is that, that, that is encoded as your nerve current. Your, it touches your retina, that it gets into converted into a nerve, particular type of nerve current, particular band of nerve current. That is reaching the so-called color perception center of your brain. That is reaching the color perception center of your brain. It is actually not perceiving any color. It's the darkest part of your body. It is projecting. It is projecting that redness. 
that redness is actually produced by your mind it is projected and it is going and enveloping that object and you say it is red so now you will understand just with one example that mind is actually projector we are very poor imitators nowadays with this all this what is the 3d projection we say we have done wonderful thing but think just think what god has done he has made a projector with which we can project five senses not only this hearing and uh, listening uh, hearing and seeing that's what we can do with our projectors you can see and hear it can you have the sense of touch your sense of smell sense of taste all the so many things that we projected in a wonderful way which we think to be real but is actually a projection of the mind get rid of it is everything gone no that's the thing that amness that's never even you can understand that when if i take the color of this mug and everything these are the thing which my mind is projecting if i take them all out then is there nothing something is there which i can never know which i can never know that isness i can never deny something is there which my mind is projecting as this color this shape and all isn't it but that isness i can never deny that ultimate isness amness which the scriptures are saying all the scriptures are saying is not something inert that is conscious the true spiritual practices when you go beyond the mind it takes you to that realization now you will find where that faith comes has importance in life the one who is who understands nothing of this uh, the psychological principle someone has told a most probably gave a statue of a monkey and told this is your ishta and he believed it he took it and became one pointed at that one pointedness at last takes you to that that one thought takes you to the thoughtlessness that's why we will find the mystics of all the religions has went to that unitary experience you will understand it very easily what happens you know when the mind is jumping from thought to thought then only the mind can exist but if you can make it one pointed the mind cannot exist why you know just even in this life you will find everything when when there is a polarity there is a flow from higher potential to lower potential current flows when is the difference of level there is water flows if the same level water cannot flow if the same potential current cannot flow mind is mind as long as it can flow from thought to thought jump from thought to thought the moment you can make it one thought it stops and that takes you to that ultimate realization it has happened with all the mystics so if that you have that suddenly you have that faith that this is my ishta and don't question i start my spiritual journey on the day one all others are just clearing their mind to start from there maybe for many years it will take that's why there this common thing which is told for the those who go to learn music you go to learn sabse tabla to an ustad and he will ask have you ever uh, learned tabla if you say no he will charge you less and if you say yes he will charge you more because why first he will have to make you forget all the wrong things which you have learned and then he will start so for us with so called our intellectuality first we have to clear the mind and start with that person that so called ordinary person that simple turn who has just simple faith and that's the thing ramakrishna has he never thinks that image to be made of clay it is chinmayi he's interacting he's interacting with that when he finds that there's the he's not getting any realization that tremendous mumukshutva he's uh, just uh, rolling on the ground and just rubbing his face he's rubbing his face rolling on the ground 
and crying that oh mother another day has gone you haven't given me vision all others thought he has got mad and when even his nephew started saying that uncle all are saying that you have gone mad and very nicely used to reply that who is not mad everyone is mad someone is mad after money some after sensual pleasures some after name and fame i am mad after god what's the harm <laughs> so as simple as that so just you find that he is mad but he has not lost his wits uh, so that's and we are so called that the so called rational beings but our wit can be questioned but we never question you know why because in this rule of in this world after all the majority rules is all the we are all the so called uh, this unillumined beings we have we vote we are the majority and that's why we say we are normal even in the modern uh, even in the modern days you will find even in neurology they never say mad, the mad word is not used anymore they say he's a bit different just think that you will understand that when i say this flower is red if someone is color blind and says it's different color or whatever it is it's actually what i am also projecting you are also projecting it is a consensus reality we all agree that it is the same color someone is projecting bit different he's not mad he's not he's a minority he's not projecting in our way so that's why in modern psychology they never say he's mad or he has some mental problem he is bit different that's the only thing and ramakrishna was bit different and that's the thing which is actually speaking of his spirituality when a dance was going on in in a dance floor all were dancing in rhythm one person was out of rhythm and someone told that he cannot dance and then someone remarked that most probably he is hearing some rhythm which we don't hear and <laughs> that rhythm he is dancing so the, it appears to be beyond rhythm see it appears to be mad but actually he is dancing in rhythm and that's the thing which we find that shraddha has given him and that mumukshutva intense yearning for god and that is the thing which is taking him to the first realization very first realization without so called help of any spiritual guru that's the thing we feel, though he had some initiation from some kenaram but after that the guru never gave him any personal instruction after giving him the mantra he left and just holding on to that mantra with a tremendous urge earnestness he went to that first realization and that's what sri ramakrishna is saying a very interesting thing that earnestness is something like the red hue of the dawn this is is a way of saying are wonderful in that at the dawn when you see the red hue the sun is yet to be seen just by seeing the red hue you know in no time the sun is going to be visible the sun is going to be visible so this yearning is like that red hue if it is in your life know it for sun in no time you are going to have that realization the sun will be visible in very short time so that's why he used to say this yearning is like the red hue of the dawn so that's how you will find that very at the very beginning sri ramakrishna is reaching that spiritual realization that flood of realization comes he goes beyond the mind that uh, in the words we can read that i was then suffering from excruciating pain because i had not been blessed with a vision of the mother i felt as if my heart were being wrung like a wet towel i was overpowered by a great restlessness and a fear that it might not be my lot to realize her in this life i could not bear the separation any longer life did not seem worth living suddenly my eyes fell on the sword that was kept in the mother's temple 
determined to put an end to my life, I jumped up like a madman and seized it when suddenly the blessed mother revealed herself to me and I fell unconscious on the floor. What exactly happened after that or how that day or the next passed, I do not know. But within me, there was a steady flow of undiluted bliss altogether new. I felt the presence of the divine mother. So almost time. So we have just actually with three phases of life, only the first phase we were discussing, the first realization. But this actually took him, in short, we can say, to a sense of doubt. Because you know that what happens when you have a tremendous, intense, divine inebriation. It's like a strong current passing through a wire. Our nerves are like wires. It has, to, it has the capacity to bear with certain upsurge of emotions. If the emotions become too strong, it actually is as if at the verge of collapse. Just if you try to pass a huge electricity through a wire, what will happen? It will simply uh, get burned. That's why you use the fuse to uh, stop the, uh, to get rid of that tremendous surge. It cannot bear. And that's what happened in the life of Sri Ramakrishna. The tremendous spiritual surge started creating havoc in his body. And that created a doubt in his life that am I going getting mad? Is my spiritual journey taking me to some of this off the track? And that's the time we find one by one, the gurus come, start coming. You need not have to have a GPS to reach a guru. So the guru will start coming the moment, the moment you have that urge, they will come. You need not have to go. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that the, when the flower blooms, the bees come. If, you, if in, there is a spiritually illumined soul, then the bees, not all, the bees will be drawn towards it. In the life of Ramakrishna, we find that the one by one, because of that urge, that the sequence of spiritual gurus are coming. And now he starts the same spiritual journey as per the tradition. And then that brings him to that conviction. No, I was not wrong. Actually, this is an intense spiritual inebriation, which has, which has resulted in all those bodily uh, so-called symptoms. As he used to say that if an elephant enters into a hut, what will happen? The hut will just simply fall off. That's what has happened with me. The bhava hasti has entered into my body. So then we find that the Yogeshwari, the Bhairavi Brahmani coming, Tota Puri coming. So I will have to make this long story short. It's a, if I just go on, it will take a long time because after all, Sri Ramakrishna Sadhana is, you know, that it has just started now, but till now what we have discussed, it's the main spiritual practice starts after this. But in short, we will say, we'll go to the last. Let us go to the last because that is an important thing. You know, Ramakrishna had that, in, that with which we started, that infinite quest for spiritual realization. Though he realized in uh, first in the Tantra way of Tantra, Vaishnava, and then under the guidance of Totapuri, he went to that absolute realization of the non-dual reality. His spiritual journey doesn't stop there. That's the ultimate, we think. After that, he's pursuing the Christ, this Islam, Christianity, and in every path, he went to the realization. That's a very important thing. It was not a mere make-belief. And that makes him convinced of the fact that all the paths lead to the same goal. Today, I will just make the leg, what you say, just uh, the long story to make the long story short. I will just 
speak as a conclusion one of the examples of ramakrishna the wonderful thing so one thing today in today's discussion to certain extent you have an idea that what actually happens in spiritual journey when you are extremely focused at last the ego also falls off when you you know when your mind is focused first what happens someone is calling you you are just seeing the a match in the tv and someone calls you don't hear the sound has entered your ear but what has happened the, as the most of the mind is focused on the game there is no mind remaining to take care of all the other activities there is no mother's mind has been taken away that if it is still more absorbed you forget taking food you forget taking uh, you that uh, you just forget drinking water you forget you are thirsty you forget that you are sleepy you are tired and that's why we find that the painter is painting throughout the night not fulfilling anything that he has been so focused all the bodily needs has also fallen off in yoga sutra that's the state which is called videha it gives you immense bliss you forget that you are the body we they that they that your body sense has also fallen off you enter into a state of bliss continuing bliss but still then one thing is there what's there i suppose i am i have developed that tremendous concentration where everything has fallen off but still there is a distinction that what distinction that i am here the object of meditation is there and the meditation is connecting in sanskrit they call three puti these three things dhyana dhyata dhyaya why it is there because still a little part of my mind is required to keep intact the ego that is the vessel there is the vessel need for the mind to take care of the ego that i i i when the mind becomes still more concentrated that ego that the portion of the mind which takes care of ego that has also fallen off the object of your concentration has taken away the entire mind now you become identified with that the triputi that idea that i am meditating that falls off and you just there's a collapse of the mind you become one with the object of meditation and that takes you to that unitary realization it has happened with all the mystics a wonderful thing ramakrishna is saying as he has practiced all the paths he is saying a wonderful thing that all the so called chosen ideals are the framework which with uh, which you are following is the outline which you are chiseling in the wall of ego suppose i am a worshipper of krishna what i am doing in my mind first i visualize krishna as it becomes intensified as if i am chiseling that that more and more my ego is falling off i am chiseling that form of krishna in the wall of ego at last what happens i chisel a hole of the shape of krishna i peep through it i see infinite expanse and i say krishna is infinite his only god someone has done it with the rama he says rama is infinite there is only god and that's why we all fight we have made one hole and that's the framework through which we are peeping into the infinite and we say that's the infinite we are all fighting ramakrishna was the first in the spiritual our heritage to have created so many holes in the wall of ego and to peep through all of them and say all are infinite and that was his conviction he has done that and that's why swami vivekananda tell ramakrishna is avatar varishtha why he is avatar varishtha in evolution varishtha means the greatest why he is giving he is not fanatic why he is saying that in evolution there is a wonderful theory theory called is uh, it's called recapitulation theory the ontogeny repeats phylogeny if you study the womb uh, in the uh, in the womb when the child is uh, growing up you will see a wonderful thing 
we start the child starts as a single cellular organism in 9 months it is going through all the phases of evolution sometimes we were like fish sometimes we were like amphibians like birds we had two chambered heart it became three chambered at last it became four chambered we were uh, not warm blooded at the beginning like fish we had fins and then it converted into lungs we had tails for some child you have to operate it doesn't uh, fall off before taking birth so we will find we have gone through all the stage of evolutions in 9 months when we were in mother's womb but in nature it took millions of year as per the evolution is concerned from a single cellular organism to evolve to human it took millions of years so what it took millions of years in nature that happens just in 9 months in mother's womb and that shows that we are the most evolved we have recapitulated like rebooting of the computer in when on the computer it doesn't like a light it doesn't get on just in one go all the programmings everything which you have loaded one by one they are just kicking kick and that at last the computer gets on it takes some time it's called rebooting so the entire evolution is also like rebooting the more you evolved you are the more this rebooting happens at last to evolve as a human being so the shorter the time it takes to just retrace the entire path the more evolved you are that is the theory of recapitulation and that happens in the spiritual journey see all the spiritual knowledge which we are getting as the successor all in hand and we can start our journey with all that tremendous fund of knowledge which most probably took millions uh, thousands of years it took thousands of years to have that knowledge with the intensification of the spiritual life ramakrishna in one life like that recapitulation theory ontogeny repeats phylogeny has traversed it in one life and at last came to that conclusion out of conviction not mere make believe that all the paths lead to the same goal and it is something in this world which we are in need to realize still in this world we find that this is the biggest challenge is this fundamentalism still in the name of religion all the violence is going on where the life of ramakrishna is shining as a role model it may take what ramakrishna did in his one lifetime it may require thousand years for the human society as such to go to that realization but till then ramakrishna sadhana has not actually been fulfilled the purpose of ramakrishna sadhana has not been fulfilled it will be fulfilled when we all endeavor to realize that fact that after all all this spiritual journey is actually there's so many programmings to lead to the same conclusion it will take us to the same goal in so many ways and that alone can actually bring peace to the world not only peace to the world it it can save us from all sorts of doubts in the present world with so many spiritual practices we find that there are so many that who have initiated in all the paths i have most probably went to this uh, some meditation and found no result again goes to another meditation ramakrishna is to say very nicely that the peoples of calcutta are very uh, this uh, hujuke i will what the hujuke in english uh, i just for exactly this is this curiosity mongering how you can say what they do they start digging a well and they find a rocky terrain they immediately shift the place they start digging and find some sand again they shift and they never find water you have to go on digging in one place 
with the present internet and everything, we are doing the same thing. A little of this, little of that, nothing is happening. Dive deep, just find what suits your temperament and dive deep and go to that. That alone can take us to that ultimate spiritual realization. But at the same time, when I'm diving deep, I should have that full conviction that others are also true. Maybe it's not up to my temperament. Up because of my upbringing and all, it is not up to my temperament. Just the way when I go to the restaurant, the same uh, this food item by spicing becomes so many as, as in your menu, menu. And as per your choice, you can choose as per your taste. But after all, it is going to nourish you. So that's the way. These are all, the, all spiced differently, all these various paths. As per your choice, you choose and you go to the goal. But that doesn't mean any way the other paths are not going to work. They are also as valid as this. What we need is just faith and a tremendous urge. Once you have it, that spiritual realization, which doesn't speak only of this uh, God vision. It speaks of transcending our ego, transcending our sense of limitedness. That's the cause of all addiction. Once you can transcend that in a very positive way, that actually speaks of the real spirituality. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is there to show us through his life. The more we can inculcate the life in our life by understanding the life in its true perspective, the more beneficial our life will be. So with these words, we conclude our discussion today. And yes, in future, we can again take up this topic and discuss the other phases of life also elaborately when the time permits. So thank you all for just attending to this program. Namaste. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Sri Ramakrishna Arpanamastu